a series in the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 128 says this, a song of ascent. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around the table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Before one further, let me pray. Father, speak to us. We need not the voice of Russell, but you would use my voice. We need to hear from you. Thank you that you would use broken vessels, cracked pots that you have filled. And so we will speak to us, I pray now, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of us have heard of Billy Graham. He had a daughter by the name of Anne Graham Lotz. Anne Graham was married to a man by the name of Denny Lotz. And this is a six foot seven inches tall, former basketball player at the University of North Carolina. Well, Anne tells the story that they would often go back to the University of North Carolina to watch football games. But because of her height, when she would get out of the car, she could see nothing. She could see nothing but her husband could see over the crowd. And so all she would do is grab his hand because he would lead her to where they would be seated. She said these words. She said, the way I get from the car to my seat is just by holding his hand and following him closely through the crowd. I want to major on follow closely because this is our posture or should be our posture as people who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The way we should follow the Lord, follow closely, Right? We walk in his ways, step by step, being led by him every single day. This is what the Lord desires for us. Because this is the only way to true life. Do we actively think about this in the morning when life gets already crazy? Or any of you say this, I can't talk to nobody until I have my cup of coffee. So I just spoke, somehow we spoke in a new language right there. Like, I can't talk to nobody until I have a cup of coffee, right? To try to calibrate the day. We think the coffee is doing it. Now, I'm not saying don't drink your coffee. Because I get mine every day. But when we wake up, when the Lord wakes us up, do we have a mind to say today, don't know what the day is going to bring. With the ups and the downs, but Lord, I want to follow you. I want to follow closely in your footsteps. In our text this morning, we will see how a person is blessed when he or she walks. The Bible says in the ways of the Lord. See, when the Bible speaks of the ways of the Lord, we ought, we ought to understand this figuratively. Yes, it could be literal, but here it's figuratively, meaning to walk or follow the righteous path. God's path, the right path. But this presupposes 
that there is another path that you and I can take, which is the wicked path. We could take that path. But look at what Proverbs 14 and 12 says. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Follow the Lord, life. Follow my own way, death. Which would you choose? Last week, I'm grateful for Pastor Deuce who, who came and shared from Psalm 127. And he talked about building one's life or house on the right foundation and in the right way. This person and family, it says in Psalm 127, they are blessed building your house. Right? We, 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 we love physical buildings, and, but a house needs to have the right foundation. But even talking about our own families, what do we want to build our family life on? Whether you have kids or not, but what do you want your life built on? It must be built on the right foundation. Today, in Psalm 128, there is a connection. So don't read Psalm 127 apart from Psalm 128. They're connected. For the psalmist here shares that a person is blessed who walks in the ways of the Lord. So the person who builds their house on the right foundation, blessed. The person who walks according to the ways of the Lord, blessed. Not only in this psalm is the person blessed who walks in obedience, but his family is blessed as well. So as we walk through this psalm, it's, this song is sort of neat that we can break it up into three things. Two verses at a time. And there are three things I want us to see. Here's the first thing I want us to see. The person who fears the Lord and walks in his ways is blessed. Verses 1 and 2. Simple. The person who fears the Lord and walks in his ways is blessed. Secondly, in verses 3 and 4, I want us to see family blessing. Family blessing. And then finally, in verses 5 and 6, we will see blessings for the community of faith. So look at it. The person is blessed, the family is blessed, and now the community is blessed. So let's begin. Verses 1 and 2, that the person who fears the Lord and walks in his ways is blessed. The psalmist says in his first two verses, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Here is a man who walks in the ways of the Lord, and the result of his walking in God's ways is that he was blessed. I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I sort of think it's cheesy seeing all these bumper stickers on cars. Um, too blessed to be stressed. Or other, y'all see those? Do you be judging the people like me? Um, I'm confessing, I'm sorry. But I love what the text says here, that the one who walks in the ways of the Lord is blessed. And then it says the result of his blessing is that he will enjoy the fruit of the labor of his hands. So he will enjoy the result of his working as God is blessing this man because he is walking in God's ways. Choosing how we live daily is an important choice. It's an important choice because you and I are inundated with choices all day, every day, am I right? 
we're inundated. It's crazy with these algorithms with Google and stuff that you search. And you do stuff and all of a sudden, like you can be looking at something on Facebook or whatever on Google, then it pops up on your Facebook page to sell you something. Inundated with choices. Now maybe some of you are here and you love a lot of choices. Like you just love like, what should I do here? And just, you want it all. But then there's some of you, if you're like me, you can't stand choices. You need to minimal, you need to minimize choices, my wife would tell you. Don't, don't give me 10. Give me two or three. Choices, like when we're inundated with so much. It doesn't matter though if there are lots of choices to make or if there's just a few choices to make. Each of us who are called on the name of the Lord, we must make a choice in our day if we're going to follow the Lord. Now the beautiful thing here. As we say in the reform faith, because now the Lord has done working on souls, regeneration, giving us the heart and the mind to want to follow Him. We desire this to follow Him, but we got to live this out, making a choice to follow Him. When we do, we believe that He will guide us. Just look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 23 that we know and we quoted in verses 1 through 3. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love when another translation says, I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, I wish I could stop right here and do a little teaching. But green pastures, in other words, this is God giving me enough to take the next step. So I don't need to have an abundance of things. Comfort. He lets me eat and feast right here, giving me the energy to take the next step in following him. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So as we navigate this psalm, it begins with the beatitude. They use the word blessed. Blessed. It describes a person who is blessed. The blessed person is one who is in a right relationship with God. This is what it means to be blessed. Your bank account does not determine if you're blessed. Now, I do hope you have some zeros in it, but that's not the determining factor. The determining factor is not that you have a 3,000 square foot house or four cars in your driveway. Those things do not determine blessing because they could be here today and what? To be blessed is to be in a right relationship with God. This person is obedient, for the text says he fears the Lord. What does this mean? To fear the Lord points to the act of worshiping and obeying Yahweh. This is what this means. So I don't just fear the Lord on Sunday when we come in here and lift holy hands and sing Psalm 23, which I love hearing the voices. Like, it's not just fearing the Lord here, but it's fearing the Lord when I go clock in on my job, and I'm walking, and I'm sitting next to a person who is just as unregenerate, and using all kind of four-letter language, and living any kind of way you want, they want to live. But in that context, when I'm on vacation, when I'm in my neighborhood, when I'm taking kids to the park, worshiping and obeying Yahweh. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a reminder of how the whole Psalter begins, which is the whole book of Psalms. In Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist writes, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in this way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scholars, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The person who trusts in the Lord and walks in his ways, in the text, he enjoys material blessings. I, mean, I, I do want the Lord to drop a couple of nuggets in your lap, give you a raise materially, like give you a house. This person enjoyed material blessing. This was the fruit because the text says that this person would enjoy the fruit of his hands. However, instead of us focusing on, or the psalmist focusing on the superficial, the material, what I can touch, the psalmist wants the reader to recognize God's sovereignty and entrust our lives and our future to him. So in other words, I'm going to follow the Lord if he gives me a big house or if he doesn't. I'm going to follow the Lord if I ever, don't ever get a raise or if he gives me a raise. I'm going to follow the Lord for those of you who are married and don't have kids yet, whether he gives me children or not. Or for the single person, if you long to have a husband or a wife, but you don't have it, I'm still going to follow the Lord whether he gives me those things or not. Why? Because he's worthy. He's still good. He's still good if I don't get these trinkets. Because we live in a day in a culture where it says, God has favored you if you get these things. But I can look at a whole bunch of look at a whole bunch of people in the scripture who didn't have a lot of things, but God blessed them. Just see the man who in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, who laid at a man's gate, his name was Lazarus, who received all the terrible things in life. He received nothing but then the Lord took him to be with him. That man didn't receive a whole lot of his life. But he still was favored by God. See, this is true wisdom. But having wisdom does not guarantee in a mechanical way that physical blessings will always follow obedience. It doesn't mean that. All we have to do is look at the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul. We can stop right there. Both men obedient to God, wanting to obey Him, but they didn't have all of these things. So to obey God doesn't mean that we will always receive physical blessings that our culture says we need to clamor for. Just look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. He says, Foxes have holes, and birds of that air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Jesus says this when some people say, Lord, I want to follow you. Really? You want to come follow me? Well, let me let you know I got a house. I, I, I ain't leaving you to the Ivory Tower. If you want to follow me, you need to know what you've signed up for. And this is something that we need to understand, friends. If we say we're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to know what we're signing up for. It doesn't mean that he's not going to supply our needs. Because he promises that if we seek first his kingdom, Matthew 6, then all that we need will be added to us. He has supplied what we need, but it doesn't mean following him that it's going to be a life of ease. I would argue the opposite. When we start following Jesus, we done ran into a whole brick wall. 
the culture that's fighting us, fighting us, fighting us. The devil's coming at us, even my own flesh. The world of flesh and the devil, as the Bible says, I'm struggling, but I still following Jesus. Oh, I have some good times on the mountain, but then I find myself in the valley a whole lot. I don't have what I need. My, my, my mind is not right. Lord, what's going on? I'm still following you. See, there are two paths, and everyone walks on one or the other. Those who are blessed walk on the straight path that leads to life and not the crooked path that leads to death. And so, my friends, I want to ask you which path are you on today? Today, which path are you on? Where's your heart? See, are you taking the path that society and culture says is best to travel? Or the road that the Lord Jesus walks and says to each of us, follow me. I will put before you that when Jesus says, follow me, if we're not ready, this can be scary and daunting. Because Jesus says, follow me, this means take up your cross, take up the very symbol of death, of lack, of not being in the light. Come follow me. Follow me. We save the sheep of his pasture. He's the good shepherd. Follow me. Follow me. I assure you that the person who does this will be blessed. That person will be blessed. Second, family blessing. The psalmist points to the impact of a person's faithfulness to his family. For he says in verses 3 and 4, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around the table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. See, but a person was not able to enjoy the fruit of his labor. It was a traditional sign in their culture of God's disfavor. Even when you had women who were married and they, and you, we know so many women in scripture who did not have children could not bear children. And the way that they saw this was that God is angry or God has disfavored me. This is how they saw this. However, when a person was fruitful in their work and their fruitfulness in their family, they would see this as God's blessing. Don't we do the same? Person who has a lot, right? I'm not saying that God has blessed, but the person who has more that person is being blessed by God. The person who does not have, who's living check to check, who is working or witnessing a menial job, they want kids, can't have kids, want to be married, not being married. We could look down on that person and say that, oh, something's, something's wrong with you. Maybe there's some disfavor here. Or even a person who's been divorced, I grew up in that family. You know, we look down on those who seem to not fit the, the, the paradigm that we had established that fits that box of blessing. And we're not in this box, and you're outside here, then God must have disfavored you. But when you read the Psalms, when you read the Psalms, it is clear that faithfulness to God does not guarantee you such blessing. Being faithful to God is not guaranteed that your pockets are going to stay swollen. 
Being faithful to God does not mean that you are going to have kids or that you will be married or any of these things. What we are encouraged to do is to view the ordinary benefits of life as given as gifts from God. The ordinary. The ordinary. Or as one of my friends used to say, the mundane. Can we see this in relation to God? And it is here that I, I was thinking about this and praying. I want to encourage the person who may be here today who you're married and you're going for kids. And then you don't have kids. God sees you. The person who wants to be married and not married, the Lord sees you. It's not a sign of God's displeasure. As a matter of fact, I'm going to the opposite. If you read scripture, the scripture will say that God loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. If you never have children, if you never get married, I said this and I said it again. If you never have children, never get married. If you never get that promotion, if you never live in a community that you want to live in, it doesn't mean that God does not love you and he has not been good to you. How do I know? Look with me at Romans chapter 8, or listen to this, where in Romans 8, 28, Paul says, all things work together for good for those who love God. Some things, some things, some things, all things work together. It doesn't matter what they are. Put it all in the mold. All things. Because he loves us. And then you go on down in Romans 8, around verse 38, 39, it says, What can separate us from his love? Can life, death, calamity, can any of these things separate us from his love? No, they cannot. My question for you as friends is will you still trust him? Will you trust him? Here in the text, the man's wife is one who is presented as attractive and marked by faithfulness. Now, I want you to think of attractiveness as outward, like what we tend to do, like she got a whole bunch of makeup. She, 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 it depends on whether she got braids or if she got a perm or she curled her hair or washed her hair. Don't, don't think attractiveness in that way. This attractiveness is an inward attractiveness. But this man would echo what Proverbs 18 and 22 says, where uh, the writer says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, let me talk about Mary again again. Did you get you a good thing? All right, brothers, uh, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> but he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Here, the wife is productive. For she is described as a fruitful vine. But what do vines produce? Vines produce grapes for wine that brings enjoyment. So here is a woman who is productive. And she is able to produce in a way that her husband enjoys, is able to enjoy it. In addition, her children will be like olive shoots around her table. See, these children are the hope and promise of the future, right? Again, I, I remember, maybe just me growing up, but I think it's still the same where uh, those who were able to, they, they didn't want the children, they wanted to bear children because they wanted to keep the legacy going. Like they, they, they wanted posterity, they wanted blessing, generation down. 
I'm able to go back to my hometown, to the land that my family owned, and look at those who have gone before me. And I am a result of their reproduction. And hopefully they would see me and my siblings and those under me as blessing. The text says that her children will be like olive shoots. Being called an olive shoot point to their tender growth that needs to be nurtured. What do olives produce? Olives produce oil, which was integral in their society in Israel as agricultural. And so this shows the usefulness of the children. Let me say this, and I don't want to step into it or get in trouble with nobody. Our children are not just trophies to look at. When they grow up, they do come to a place where they can go take the garbage out. <laughs> they, 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 they can wash dishes. Right? And I'm not saying they just want to be flunkies, but what I'm saying is our kids, we, we should raise them to be useful. Pouring into them because they're going to grow up and go out into society. Hopefully, one day have their own kids that will be around their table. See, the family of the man who follows the Lord is blessed. There was a young girl who was around her grandmother, and she saw her grandmother's wedding ring, and she didn't like it. She said, Oh, that's, she thought this is big and ugly. And she said, She went to her and said, Grandma, why? Uh, is your ring like that? It's big and ugly. Is those, those are the only kind of rings y'all could have bought back then? To which the grandmother responded to her grandmother in her grandmother way. She said, Yeah, our rings were gone. Because when I got my rings back in the day, they were made to last. They were made to last. When people get married and walk in the ways of the Lord, when they are committed or committing themselves to be together until when? To death do us part. It doesn't mean that life is always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that. But with God at the center of a marriage, walking in his way, there will be times of blessing. As well as there will be times of, 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 of things not going well, but God will bless that family unit, that marriage where he is central. See, these are the benefits that were bestowed on the first humans in the Garden of Eden. Adam being blessed with posterity. Adam being blessed in his marriage to Eve. Again, we don't know how long they were married before the fall, but we can presuppose based on the text that before all of that happened, they not only enjoyed one another, but they enjoyed God. So the most important blessing is one's relationship to God. I'm going to close with this. The blessing for the community of faith. The psalmist ends with these words in verses 5 and 6. That the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. After conferring a blessing on those who fear the Lord, he now requests a blessing on those who hear his words. Again, notice how the psalm moves. It moves from the individual man 
being blessed, because he feels the work of his hands, the work of his hands being blessed. So he's now his family, his wife and his kids, blessing, and now it goes to the community. This is what reference to God looks like with his fruit of stability and peace. The psalmist mentions Zion. What is Zion? Where is Zion? This is where the faithful gather. Remember, we're doing the psalm of ascents. This is how the whole community would come together, reciting these words as they are going to the temple to worship. They're doing it together. They are worshiping corporately. And I hope this has come out for you all, and I want to reiterate it. Each week, in the Psalm of Sense, we see the importance of not neglecting corporate worship with the people of God. I'm going to repeat that, not neglecting it. And I want to mention this because it seems, I'm grateful for you all here, so this is no indictment, I'm not looking down, but I often sense, get this sense that we live in a day where we can take it or leave it. I don't go to church when I feel like it. I don't feel like it today. Again, options, choices. I don't feel like it. Maybe I'll turn on the TV. Let me watch a sermon online, but you can't be discipled online. Rubbing elbows. But here you see the corporate people of God going up to the temple to worship. Here is why this is important, because this is what we're going to be doing for all eternity, y'all. We're going to be doing this for eternity. So what does it mean? We just get a dress rehearsal now. Any of y'all used to be in choirs back in the day? Maybe it's just me. Oh, I got a few people in choir. You know, back, back in the day, you get a choir, you got a rehearsal. And you have one more rehearsal, so we're going to have a dress rehearsal. So if you have a costume, put on the costume, put on a robe, and you're going to go through the whole thing as if you were doing it on that day. Worship is dress rehearsal. It's imperfect. It's dress. That's going to be a mega church in the kingdom. We're small. Praise God that we get to do it. But we're going to be a part of a, we're all a part of a mega church that we can't see yet. And we're going to be worshiping together. The psalmist. He gave the proclamation of peace because the proclamation of peace is appropriate for those who feel God and live under God's rule. Since it describes the conditions that prevail when God's sovereignty is recognized. See, what this song articulates is a theology of blessing as it celebrates the daily realms of work and family as gifts of God. If you're able to work every day, you should be on your face and say, God, thank you. If you have a family, you should be on your face and say, God, thank you. If he has you single, you should be on your face and say, God, thank you, because you give me grace to be where I'm at today. Whatever your lot is in life, you should be on your face and say, God, thank you. Because of where you have me. Because it is a gift. See, we also should not think this mechanical system of reward and punishment. That if I obey God, I'm going to get these trinkets. So you do this, you get this. But if you don't do this, you don't get this. The psalm is not teaching that. 
at all. But this is, we do have a theology of blessing in this psalm. The psalm closes with a prayer for peace. Peace is the Hebrew word shalom, and it speaks of harmonious relations and freedom from disputes. For the people of God, peace always exists in the midst of chaos. Have you ever been in that place where it's all is crazy around you? Even your life may be going crazy. But some way, somehow, God has dropped in your soul a cause. When you should be freaking out. I know what it is. The truth of scripture came alive in your life in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, where Paul says these words: do not be anxious about what? Anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here it is, verse 7. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We can't even make sense of it. We can't even make sense of it. It says, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Life is going to happen, y'all. We know this. But there's a peace that he gives in the midst of all of this stuff. We can't explain it. But when life is chaotic, when, when life is not going the way we want it to go, we, we take all of these requests to the Lord. And we trust his word because it's true. This is a promise. This is not a maybe what happened. This is a promise. And I can attest to it. And the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. There were two painters who decided to get into a contest to see which one would paint a picture of peace the best. The first painter, he draws a painting and he paints a picture of being on the beach, the sun setting, the water calming. You know what it is. For those of my friends who love the beach, you know this. Laying on the lake or whatever, but you got the sun is setting. Ain't nothing wrong. You got a nice drink. Your feet are in the sand. Everything is right. It's chill. He painted that picture. The next guy painted a totally different picture. He painted a storm. Dark clouds. Lightning. Wave on water hitting rocks, smashing the rocks. It is a calamitous situation. But in the corner of the painting, at the bottom of the painting, between two rocks, there was a bird singing. It's crazy. The waves are crashing. It is a storm. But in the middle of two rocks, it was a bird singing. Friends, I believe this is a true picture of peace. This is peace. Peace is where God's calm and tranquility overrule our concerns. But there is a day coming. There is a day coming when we will have that peace similar to the first painting. Where there ain't going to be no more storms. It ain't going to be no more lightning and, and clouds and earthquakes and Hurricanes. Is that what I mean anymore? When the Lord says, it's time. Come home, my child. 
whether that's him taking us through then, or whether Jesus comes back, parts the sky, and say, it's time, y'all. It's time to go. And I don't know about you all. I'm grateful for the life that the Lord has given me. I'm grateful for my family. But even so, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. You can come make this thing right. Make all things new. Because what we're experiencing here does not compare to Paul would say, eyes have not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for his people. We're not going to be in heaven like fat babies with pampers, with wings strung in the heart. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is a place where I believe it's going to be good work. We're not going to ever be tired. We ain't going to be trying to take days off. We're going to be worshiping King Jesus always. And we're going to desire that every moment for all eternity. We're not going to be there with our knees hurting and we wake up talking about back hurting. You know what I mean? Like, you got to go get something. I need an IV because I'm weak. We just not going to be any of that. Because the Bible says we're going to have new bodies. These bodies are fading away. But there's a new body. This body is going to be transformed. And here's the video, y'all, and I'm going to close. John writes in 1 John, it says, We don't know who we're going to be when he appears, but we do know this that when he appears, we will be like him. We're going to look like him. And this is what Cardinal Taylor said. And I love what he said. He said, the angels are going to look at Jesus and look at us. And in that day, say, which one? Which one? But until that day, until that time, the question is, will we follow him? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for your word. In Psalm 128, he was showing us what it means to be blessed. Your word says, blessed is the one who walks in your ways, who fears the Lord. Each and every Sunday, we, we reflect when we worship on this truth. And today we have an opportunity to see it in, 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 in presentation with the Lord's Supper. So, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity for us to open your word and to hear from you in Psalm 128. I pray, Lord, by your spirit, that you would impact the lives of your people. That if there's anyone here today who does not know you, you know that person. If that person is in here today, I pray that by your spirit, hound of heaven, that you would sniff that person out that you would save them, that they would call on your name, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. We thank you, in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Today we have an opportunity to, I'm grateful to partake of the elements, the Lord's Supper, so those who are helping this morning uh, to, to disseminate these elements can come. We do this every well when we uh, most